1: And today we're going to be answering a ton of questions about leading missional communities with two of my favorite people, Jeff and Allie Lowndes. Uh, Jeff and Allie, welcome to the Saturate podcast.
2: Thanks.
1: It's good to be here. Just made my day. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff and Allie are missional community leaders here in Los Angeles. So they're part of uh, the church that I help lead and serve within, and my family gets to be discipled by. And it's been fun getting to know them the last several years. Even as we process moving to LA, they were some of the first people we connected with. Uh our children like to hug Allie. And I hope that's not too weird. I guess that's normal.
0: It makes my life, yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh yeah, super excited just to have you on tonight, guys. And uh we just finished up a coaching call with everyone else who leads Missional Communities, it felt like in the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh and that was really fun. But now we get to talk about missional communities and what it's like to lead them and a few of the common issues that come up in many people's lives. And we've actually been receiving a ton of questions. And so I decided, why don't we put all these questions into one episode and we ask normal, everyday missional community leaders their answers, because both of you guys actually have tons of experience. And so Maybe to kick it off, the best way would be for yeah, you Jeff and Allie to kind of just describe your missional community as it is today, and maybe some of your history with being part of missional communities and leading them. Love to just hear that story off the bat.
0: Yeah, uh, so I'll share first. Um, I moved to LA almost seven years ago, and was out here about six months. Uh, going to a bigger church down in Long Beach um, that had a really amazing Sunday gathering, but I was really struggling to plug in because a lot of their small groups met at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. And I commuted an hour and didn't get home until about 8 or 9 each night. And thankfully was introduced to our Soma Culver City Church uh, by a friend who met our pastors, Jess and Tripp, at a conference. And so I started going... To their house once a week for dinner after work because they worked right next to the or they lived right next to the studio where I worked, and so I always say I, I accidentally joined an MC
1: <laughs> I didn't
0: realize it was an MC at the time I had reached out to them via email and said that I would you know love to get together and that my friend Jake told me I should reach out uh, he was a member of Soma Tacoma at the time and I was like cool like a pastor and his wife they literally live. next to to Sony Studios where I work. And they were like, yeah, we, you know, come over on Wednesday night for dinner. And I did, and there were other people there. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Then they were like, yeah, why don't you just come, you know, every Wednesday for dinner. And I was like, cool, (laughs) I want to do that. And uh, I grew up in the church and went to college and participated in a campus ministry. But I think participating in... You know church as an adult was very different. It was obviously had to be intentional moving to a huge city and not really knowing mm-hmm. anyone but also they lived out the gospel right through through their missional community in a way I had never seen it It wasn't a small group right it wasn't just a community meeting they were loving their neighbors and hosting their neighbors and begging me to sleep over every night and mm-hmm. hang out with their kids and Giving me clothes and you know, giving me meals and just taking care of me like family, and that was so radical to me. And I remember the first family dinner, uh, which is you know what we call our meal during missional community each week. It was Christmas, my first family dinner, and I walked into their home, and it was so beautifully decorated. And their girls, they have four daughters, ran up to me and were like, "You look like Snow White!" Like what you dinner. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, this is it. I am home. I have arrived. Like I was just greeted with so much love. And so Mm. I kept coming back each week. And I feel like it was that family piece of really feeling like, you know, I wasn't intruding, that I was genuinely wanted in a physical place each week Mm. by other people that really impacted me. And so I've been with our Soma body here six years this past December. Wow. And I was with that missional community with our pastor's family for about four years. And then when Jeffrey and I got married, we uh, multiplied out of that MC and started our own and I'll let him. That. <laughs> yeah. So I was literally invited in as a young post-college grad and just became <laughs> addicted to living like family, you know, and they were, That's they awesome. were generous with everything that they had and it was It was infectious, and it it was exactly how Jesus lived, and it became very real.
1: that's awesome, yeah, yeah I love that story, yeah, I love everything about it, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine the forging girls going up to you and be like, "You look just like Snow White, come here, sit down, we're in charge of your life now. we know what's up.
0: <laughs> I mean it was my first night meeting them. I'd known them two hours, and they were like, Will you tuck us in? Will you tuck us into bed and read us a story <laughs> like you know, trying not to sob. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful!" <laughs> I'm. They they look at me like I'm their sister. I'm family instantly. Yeah. It was just this instant love and acceptance, and yeah, it was incredible.
1: That's awesome. I love it. How about you, Jeff? How 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 did you come into this whole missional community thing?
2: Yeah, uh, I so I interned with Soma uh, in in Tacoma, Washington where it started in 2011, and so got like a three-month kind of taste intensive of um, everything related to uh, missional communities, and I would say more profoundly, the gospel, and uh, the gospel invading and touching every aspect of my life. And so I then went back to college, because I was in college at the time, and tried to lead uh, an MC and uh, within the college ministry, within the church that wasn't structured that way. And I had, uh, because it was a college and the nature of the group, it was actually 100% like everyone left that year because they moved away or they graduated <laughs> So started a completely new group the next year. And really in those times, tried to like start an MC for an MC's sake because it sounded really good and really built a community more than a missional community. And it was actually, it almost became... a a new law or or the same as a small group, right? Except instead of just reading our Bibles, we tried to hang out more or something. And really Mm -hmm. in that that time, as I moved to California, um, joined Soma Clover City and was just processing and and growing, really realized it's the gospel that changed my heart that wanted me to live in a new way. Um, But I just so quickly just turned to um, trying to create new structures for people to fill fill in uh, to their calendars. And then so, yeah, I, I, really a huge growing period post-college, especially as I was a part of the same MC All I was in, and and just realizing that this is not a, a program, this is not a church organizational structure, but it, it really is a, a reaction to the gospel changing uh, my life and literally changing who I am, mm-hmm. which changes what MCs are, because they're not just things we go to or like, oh, we have to like do more things or we have to mm-hmm. be more... But it's just a reaction of life. And so part of the, the MC that Ali was in, uh, we multiplied and we had been an MC for about two years or so, maybe two and a half. And then we just multiplied our uh, our MC for the first time about a month ago, which was super hmm. exciting. And so we're kind of going through the process of resetting, making a new covenant to kind of dis- define how we feel like God's calling us to live.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love that story, too. And just, yeah, how you began to see how you would kind of created a new law, but then continue to persevere, pursuing just how the gospel touches every part of your life and letting that be a main thing and trying to call people to that. And I've definitely seen that, Jeff, and your leadership of pointing people to Jesus more than pointing people to a, a method, which I think is is such a gift. Uh, in the way that you lead, so I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I would too. And it was—it's been—you know—I've only been here six months, but it was was really cool when uh, we got here. You guys came over. You like brought us pizza and made space to like you know come into our house. I think you got you like came over to our apartment the first time. We had tables and chairs, and you guys even then were like, "Yeah, I would love to like see our community multiply." And just the last six months, it's been crazy at least for me as an observer to see god pull together like really like the right people for you guys to send out which wasn't even some of the people that you had like hoped or thought would do it but it just came like the spirit just led that to happen and and even the, the the crew that you have now is like that's the right crew for you guys and so super encouraging season right now so
2: yeah definitely yeah, I think it, that, that whole story of multiplication is just – it's its totally God working. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I'm sure both of us will speak yeah. to is like so much of leading our It's so
0: not anything that we did.
2: <laughs> yeah, Yep. It's just God working you know. and uh, d- uh, o- almost feel, feels like in spite of us, even though I know God has saved us and, and is moving in us. But yeah, he, you he's think- a good – Good father who, who leads people to him. So. Yeah,
0: but you're like, wow, we, we really probably botched this. But thankfully, God is good <laughs> and used our imperfect, messy leadership to call people to want to do more of this. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool, too, for our own hearts in humbling ourselves to realize that this actually isn't our responsibility. God multiplies his church, and we just get to love people and speak truth, and he does the rest. But we, we we definitely went through the muck and the mire to, to get to that point of <laughs> yeah, like totally. what like what are we doing wrong? Why why aren't more people wanting to lead? And it's yeah, it was just a good reminder that it's not mm-hmm. actually to uh, change people's hearts.
1: Yeah, even just to give the the listeners out there some context, you guys have been leading a, a missional community primarily focused towards young professionals, transplants in Los Angeles, which is a ton of the city, but it's also really forgotten. Like I think churches come to L.A. and think, I'm going to lead, you know, all these families. I'm going to find all these families or we're going to just do a cool show and invite people to it. But you guys are really seeking to engage just relationally people that didn't have family and create a family out of a group of people that normally live isolated lives. And so it was cool to see that take shape. And then as you multiplied to see the new community in a new part of town. Even though it's like what a mile and a half away from where yeah. you live, but
0: might as well be a different state. Yeah, <laughs> but it
1: might as well be a different state. This is LA after all. <laughs> yeah. uh, and to see that group started and and began seeking like some new areas of mission, but also basically continuing to say, how can we be family together in this city and welcome more and more people into that family? It's another just evidence of God's grace that that's how. Yeah, He's using using us here in this. Big city, but I actually, I think the church keeps making it at least for us feel smaller and smaller, uh, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, our hope is that people people feel like it's smaller. I think what we kept discovering was there was this loneliness, and we were meeting person after person at our jobs and in our apartment buildings who had lived here for years and still said they didn't have someone who would give them a ride to the airport, and just that mm-hmm. I see what you said just really broke our hearts and you know, we knew that the gospel was ultimately the answer, but we were like, well, we can just start being friends and we could start showing up and we could be the people that don't flake and that do drive you to the airport and just Mm love these small practical ways that have become very radical in our city. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just grateful God opened our eyes to it very quickly. And we had the benefit of being amongst that group ourselves. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember those six months before I had a, a church family in L.A. and how mm-hmm. hard they were. And so I think God gave us a lot of empathy for for our peers in that way.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, he has to start with that. He's got to break your heart first for people.
1: Right, yeah, and you usually you find yourself weeping for people and you're like, wow, there's something about that, you know, that's probably connected to your own story like you were just sharing. It's like that was where I was, and so I'm burdened for people that experience that sort of disillusionment or disengagement from community. I've experienced that. So how could we be that for people Uh, or how can we meet them where they're at in that sort of suffering and share the gospel with them? I think that's, yeah, it is cool. How God breaks your heart for, for a city and a people. A lot of people tell me, like, why do you live in Los Angeles? Like, I'm so sorry that God made you move to Los Angeles. And they're always sad about it. But my answer is always, like, but there's so many people here that God created. Isn't that enough? So true. The weather's really nice.
0: Oh my gosh. I was going to say, and it's beautiful. And-
1: the energy is like crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll start are. on the whole LA train where they can do a.
1: Whole yeah, this massive. is not an LA podcast, but a little <laughs> aside for everyone is like we should love the places that we're at for no other reason than the people that live there. So even if you live in a tiny town of you know ten thousand people or twenty thousand people, what makes that town so beautiful and rich is not like the little shop in Main Street or anything, but it's the people that God has placed there, and that's that's the thing that you can be broken for. Yeah, his people. So just to segue, kind of, I think it touches on what you were sharing, Allie, about how can we be good family to these people and give them rides to the airport, not flake. But how have you guys, question we often get asked is, how do you include non Christians or not yet believers in your missional community? So how do you sort of wrap them into missional community? I would say, it's just caveat as you guys answer that question. I think a lot of times people ask that thinking, how do you get non-Christians into your weekly meal time? Uh, But maybe we can answer it even broader of, if a missional community is a family of servant missionaries that lives life on life, life in community, maybe the question is then, how do we include non-Christians in that family, in that life on life, in that life in community piece? Yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys have learned as you've done that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's been in a, in a lot of organic ways. It has been one Avenue. Uh, You know, whether you think about uh, helping people move and inviting people into that, identifying rhythms that the people were pursuing often do, and then creating space for that. So sometimes that looks like people, especially in our, in our people that were pursuing love doing brunches on the weekends. And so, Um, we decided to, for a season, uh, host, what was it, a monthly brunch?
0: Yeah, we were doing it about every month because nothing draws millennials like free mimosas. (laughs) Especially in Los Angeles. Yeah.
2: So (laughs) so we got to invite a lot of people into our home and welcome them graciously. And honestly, I think one of the coolest things is we never kicked anyone out. And every time we would have one or two people or a couple people stay for an hour or two after. Like all
0: day sometimes. <laughs> Afterwards,
2: everyone else, after everyone else. And, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool.
0: I think too, we also realized, I think we can become insular in just inviting people in. And we focus so heavily on the hospitality piece that we forget that there's a life outside our homes. And so mm-hmm. we also had a transition in RMC of, you know, we were inviting people in and they were coming in, but we also mm-hmm. wanted to meet them where they are. And mm-hmm. so even, even with our first MC, when it was school families, you know, we were trying to really be a presence at the school. And then when we led our MC, and we were more focused on young professionals in the city, it involved going to the bars more, and right. going out to eat more and going, you know, out or
2: going to people's shows, going to
0: people's shows, going to people's improv team performances or their open mic nights and we saw a lot of fruit just in the fact that we were showing up and supporting them in their art form or yeah. also just the fact that we were Christians who were totally excited to go have a drink with them at the bar and meet them in their context you know and we got to enjoy a cocktail or enjoy a beer and Steph and myself have both had so much conversations, but it's it's true and it's crazy. You think the kind of barriers or the assumptions that people have with regard to the church um, and for us, that rhythm of going out, having a drink with someone, going out, having a late night meal with them or going to a food truck down the street. It's not only uh-huh. a part of the culture of our city, which is um, really, I feel like, heavily rooted in the social eating and drinking aspect. But it was cool because you saw a lot of walls come down because they weren't just in your house anymore. You were out in the city together experiencing this incredible city together, and that had a richness to it that we really loved.
1: That is one of the things that is one of the answers to how do you include non-Christians in the life of a missional community? One of the main answers is you have to rethink your hospitality budget you know and, and it's amazing how many i think we haven't like trained christians often to think about having a hospitality budget but we definitely we have to one way or another whether we put it on the books or not that what ends up happening is one of the costs to living life in a missional community is you're going to make food in your own home for more than just your family because you're going to want to have other people there you're going to actually choose to go out to eat not because you want to like eat out and not clean the dishes afterwards, but because you're trying to do it with other people. That's just a little aside as you were sharing Ali. I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a ba- big learning point that I that I hope people get is like, oh wow, I need to like change my budget. And it's not a mimosa for my mimosa's sake, but it's like yeah. it's a missional mimosa. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's
0: awesome. it's missional yeah. Mimosa, yeah.
1: Yeah. The saturate cookbook's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't
1: wait. <laughs> what would you add, Jeff? Yeah, I was just going to add on. You
2: know, there are seasons where doing things organically, we actually weren't hanging out with people a lot, and we went through seasons of of being like, "Man, you know what?" As we look back on the six on the past six months, we weren't pursuing people a lot, and I think it's just good for all the listeners to know that. We, yeah, we've highlighted some of like the cool things that have happened, but there's been plenty of seasons where we're like, "Man, Father, we don't feel like we've pursued people like you pursue us." Mm-hmm. And it actually caused us to have to change direction a little bit, and and w- like what we're talking about doing now is is adding in a consistent rhythm of hanging out with people. Like we're talking about doing it on like the first Friday or second Friday of the month, going to the bar. So we have an actual like planned thing that happens because it's been a season where it has been a little harder to have things be a bit more organic. So so we've had to switch it up a bit and realize, mm-hmm. hey, we haven't done things perfectly, but. Father, how do we continue to pursue the things you're calling us to pursue? And it's looked a little different and we're still figuring it out. But but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to mention that there's so much grace in the planning side of leading and being a part of an MC. Our MC was really blessed in 2016 into 2017. We almost doubled in size by having firm believers join us. It wasn't that we had a a lot of non-Christian friends come to faith. It was the fact that God was bringing workers for the harvest, if you will, and bringing new people into the church who wanted to join our MC. And I learned, you know, there are seasons like Jeff said, where we were just so internally focused on continually building and strengthening and reunifying us just as a family unit. Um, where you are kind of more inward focused for a season and then everyone kind of you know once once everyone got comfortable and we were learning together and you know doing life together we were able to better turn our gaze outward because we were a stronger family unit that could then serve alongside of each other because we knew each other well and cared for each other well and i think for me we struggled because in one side you're like well we're growing as a family and we're pouring into our MC and people are going through so many hard things and we're just trying to get through week to week our dinners together and caring for the people in our MC. You know, we let a, we haven't had any time to plan a brunch or we haven't had any time.
2: Right. <laughs> to, and
0: that's okay. Because then in the next season, you know, we've had seasons where we're inviting a ton of people in that we kind of, you know, there's a lack of time spent then with the people within our MC in terms of growing those relationships. And so you can't do it all. And that's why the spirit is there to help guide and to help serve and to help change people's mm. hearts because we can't, it's a hard balance to, to, to care for the people in your MC who are believers and to also pursue your non-Christian friends, neighbors mission. You know, it's it's the balance like Jeff said of the two. And so we've had seasons where we feel like we've been very outward and seasons where we've definitely been more focused mm. inward and that's okay. We're learning that over the years that you're going to have that cadence
1: and it's yeah. okay
0: because you're a family and families grow and come apart and they separate and they grow and they come apart. <laughs> and, separate and Right. Yeah, there's, there's a natural progression and flow.
1: Totally. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I've reflected on here since we've been in LA is which weather-wise so different than Portland, but in other parts and other climates like actual weather climates, there's kind of a built-in rhythm like that. Where, like, in places that experience real winter, everybody kind of, like, goes into their shell. You know, it gets darker earlier in the day. People aren't, like, hanging out that much in the city or whatnot. They're, like, kind of insular. But then in the summer, people are all out. And so for the church or missional communities, a lot of times... They have this built-in, oh yeah, in the winter we like focus on each other and we build deeply into one another. And then in the summer and the spring, like when people are out and like they're happy because they're not sad anymore about the weather, we can like engage new mission. And there kinda is that back and forth cadence, as you said. But I think it is it is a challenge in certain places, especially like LA, but I know all like there are many places that don't have that same weather back and forth where you do you do have to make some conscious decisions of man this is kind of a season where we really focus on rooting these people in the gospel and in their identity right now and that's that's going to require a lot of relational energy towards them so that we can be the kind of community that's on mission you know another question that we get asked a lot and I'm going to throw this out to you guys you guys have been married for 3 years right
0: it'll be 3 years in april
1: three years in April. So almost three years and almost that entire time you've led a missional community. So what is it like, people ask us all the time, how do you lead a community as a married couple? Like how do you navigate that? Responsibilities, roles, passions, all of that. So what's been your experience and how do you do that?
0: Yeah. So we were both fortunate because we got to live life in MCs for years before we were married. And so I feel like both of us by the time we got married, had a really strong foundation in what an MC is, what a healthy MC looks like, the purpose of an MC. And so when we were married and moving into this apartment together, we were excited to have a new space to host. And God had been burdening our hearts for that people group. And so time-wise, it all kind of synced up. Not to say, you know, that just because you get married, you should automatically go start a new MC. (laughs) But ours just kind of all happened to flow within that same summer, spring, summer period. I will say for us, a huge asset for us was leading with someone else. The first two years that we led an MC, we led with one of our single friends, Ben. And having a single lead alongside of us was such a gift because... He not only got to speak into our marriage and be a sounding board for our ministry as a couple, but he also brought with him his own unique testimony and experience and relatability to the other singles in our group, to men in our group that we as a couple or as a unit maybe couldn't have done. And Mm -hmm. so we tell everyone (laughs) who leads an MC as a married couple to not do it alone, to either lead Mm -hmm. with another married couple or lead with one or two other singles. I feel That's like good. having that more diverse portrait of God's family as leaders is really critical, that it's not just a married couple that can lead um, or that should lead. Of course, God uses so many married couples to lead in beautiful ways. But if, if God is kind of putting those other leaders in your church and in your midst, it's so worth talking to them, considering partnering with them because they bring this beautiful dynamic to not only your ministry, but also just on a personal level to your marriage, inviting people into your marriage to speak into it, to be present around it. We currently live with another married couple, two of our best friends who've also been servant leaders in the church for years. And it is one of the most beautiful blessings we could have ever asked for that God has given us in his grace to have people in the mess discipling us every day. And so yeah, we can't stress enough, but I think for us as a married couple having having people around us not leading in isolation has been so hmm. so crucial and we're in a season now where um it's just the two of us leading again because after um Ben stepped down from leadership, another single girl, Marina stepped into his place, who again brought a totally new fresh perspective and relatability and experience and led alongside us. And we just sent her out as a leader of the new MC. And so we're kind of waiting for God to reveal that that next counterpart to our leadership. It's been great to lead alongside of people.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Another sort of curveball question, or maybe not a curveball, but same topic, is people often ask, how do people lead mission communities while they work? Uh, so often people hear us Describe what a missional community is, and they're like, well, that must be a full-time job. Like that must be all you do. That's like a 60-hour week job. Uh and so for for both of you, you both, Jeff, you're in sales, Ali, you work in the entertainment industry, and you have demanding jobs and exciting jobs as well. Uh, how do you lead a missional community and have that kind of a career? Most people say that just seems like so much. So how do you navigate that piece? It's a great question. It's
2: a fair question. And I think it does go back to having people who can help uh, lead alongside of you. And so I, I think that's the, the most ideal way. And so I understand I was in a situation when I was leading those first two MCs right after Soma immersed that I wasn't able to have that. Um, but in the ideal situation, you can have people who are either leaders with you. Or a a great example is we uh, have a family meal uh, and Mm -hmm. it happens uh, every week and I was doing it alongside everything else and I was doing a poor job of it. (laughs) I was constantly forgetting. I would let people know on like the day before we would gather who was doing what. And so I actually asked someone, I can't remember if I asked them directly or if I just asked our group, but I recruited someone in our group who was good at administrative tasks I said, hey, can you just organize this for us? You don't have to lead the MC or do it. ton. Can you just help us organize this? Because this is clearly you know, a need we have. And so I had someone step into that type of role that I just didn't have capacity for. So that's a, a one really great uh, example. Um, and the other thing, even if you can't identify someone like that right away, I think as you start to lead and as you start to try to care for people, you, you learn to give yourself a lot more grace uh, when things aren't super planned, or aren't perfect. And you also start to learn how to just ask the spirit on weeks, honestly, when you don't have enough time to plan everything out and you kind of have an idea in your mind. And, and sometimes you do kind of have to roll with it. So I think, I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a mixture of trying to plan and have people that can help you lead. But even if you can't do that in a season, trusting God that he is discipling people and just learning to kind of depend on the spirit in the moment at times too.
0: And I think too, like, it's a good reminder that God does love people with full-time jobs outside of the church and uses them for his mission. I struggled with this for a long time of feeling guilty because I had a 50 hour week job, but I still wanted to serve the church. And those two things felt very uh, disparate from each other. But what I've Mm -hmm. learned is that God calls us to be missionaries, right? In every aspect of our life. And he's given me a missional platform at my office to serve him. And so I think to find balance in leading and even being a part of an MC when you work full time is to just realize that it's your perspective that changes. It's your heart and understanding that your missional life is 24 seven. And whether you're leading or you're just participating Our prayer is that God would grow your heart to want people to know Him in every aspect of your life and however many hours you're working or serving or volunteering or raising children, that it would really be a part of your everyday life. And so it just plays itself out practically differently. You know, for example, our MC meets on Sunday nights because a lot of the people in our group. Work late in the evenings and don't get off work until 7 or 8 p.m. And so meeting during the week wasn't practical. And so we sacrifice a portion of our weekend to our missional community, but it doesn't feel subtractive in any way because we realize that this is the life that we feel called to. It's the identity that we have as, like you said, you know, missional servant leaders. And I think for me, it's like, oh, well, you know regardless of your vocation this is just something that is lived out and yeah. so we just kind of i think for me i found peace in understanding that that was it was an identity it wasn't a job leading mm-hmm. an mc being a part of an mc it's not it's not something extra it's just who you are and so i think once you realize that like jeff said the the everyday details you have so much more grace for yourself and you realize that you're you're a part of something so much bigger and god is at work and he's using everyone around you to serve and help, and it's not on you. And you just get to participate in this incredible thing. That's a family and a community, you know, for Jesus.
1: Yeah. And that's so good. And one thing that sticks out to me with you guys is how committed you are to this place and these people for decades. Like you have a a long vision of what you see God doing with your life in this city which I think also changes it. Mm. You're not trying to squeeze in a year of, you know, just intensive ministry with people or with this place into a year. You guys are are just so patient to be like, well, we're a follower of Jesus. These are the implications of being a follower of Jesus. we also have the gift of leadership. So these are the implications of being leaders, you know, and your leadership is so much more than the details. You know, I think that's, you guys are our leaders by example and by creating an environment and through your hospitality and through the vision that you share for like what God is doing around you. And yeah, to me, it's just really cool to watch, especially considering how you could easily be like, I'll just do career and maybe I'll follow Jesus later. But you're like, no, we're going to follow Jesus in our career, not after hours as a hobby, but I truly see both of you guys just following Jesus nine to five and 24 seven. Uh, if that, if that makes sense, thanks. just to kind of wrap up, because I just love sharing your guys' experiences with, uh, the rest of the world. What's, you know, the most important thing that you continue to, to try to remember as you lead a missional community? What's the thing that you're like, I got to tell myself this every day, every week? And that's a that's a big question.
0: <laughs> um, 108 things. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, there's a lot of things I could I could talk about that God has been teaching me. I'm actually going to like make it into a two-parter cuz I I can. Uh so <laughs> you can. <laughs> the the first thing is that God has used RMC to teach me so much more than I, and then I, then I feel like He's taught a lot of other people, like how how dependent He's, He constantly calls me back to to be on Himself, and mm. just how much of a blessing that is. Yeah, and, and it's not ever something I plan for, right? It's always in, in when I'm struggling, when I'm tired, when I'm um, w- struggling, whatever it is, and He calls me back to just like lean on Him, and that's been a huge blessing. So that's the one thing, but and then what I mentioned before, mm-hmm. I think it's also really important to say is that God is the one who changes people's hearts. He's the one mm-hmm. who saved me and he's the only one who will change, who will continue to change my heart when I need heart change. And he's the only one who's going to change anyone else's heart to, to believe in him or to walk by faith in him, to find reconciliation when we fight, uh, to lead when uh, we don't feel like leading. And so, man, I think we, we've just time and time again, Tried to change people's hearts, I think, sometimes. And mm. and, and then it hasn't worked. In, God, in God's grace, he hasn't changed their hearts when we <laughs> yeah. tried. And then <laughs> to yeah, news change splash, it. it never worked. <laughs> yeah. the one to change it when we feel like we were lacking. So if that can be an encouragement to people that, I don't know, God just always seems to work in his own timing and prove to us that he is faithful to love the people that are in our body because he loves them a lot more than us and yeah, he he's just, he's a good father.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, a lesson that I continually to be more and more convicted of, and oh, it's just like beautiful grace every year living as a family, right, is that we are called to worship the creator more than we worship anything else, and most especially each other. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the 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 hardship and the pain that comes with living as family is because we're worshiping each other's opinions and we uh-huh. are desperately seeking acceptance and love and companionship and favor from each other. And not that that in and of itself is inherently bad, but when it's sought after as a replacement for Jesus, it will just fail us time and time again. And I think I've been heartbroken and frustrated when, I perceive and experience RMC, quote unquote, failing me, even, even mm. in their love of me, right? It's never going to be enough to satiate whatever yeah. it is that you feel is lacking in your life. And I think for many years, I I sort of felt how beautiful and incredible missional communities are, but I I, ex, I wanted it to replace Jesus in a lot of seasons of my life where I thought, well, I have this incredible group of people who love me and are there for me, and that's enough, but then, yeah, you know some of them moved away, some of them left the faith and you realize that your foundation can't be in your m c it has to be in Jesus because yeah. people will come and go, and yeah. people are weak and they're broken, and they need they need a good father yeah. too, and so I remind myself continually that Jesus fills all the holes in my heart and all my depravity and all my mess. He fixes it. And because of that, I get to love and serve and be a part of this missional community because it's the cherry on top of the cake that is Jesus. It Uh is not the cake itself. I could speak in metaphors about it all day. I feel (laughs) like I'm I'm constantly processing this because five minutes from now, you know, I'm going to, get a text from someone and immediately think, Oh, okay. Does she still love me? Is she mad at me? Like, you know, we're, that fear of man piece creeps into it. And you just, you, you want your MC to, to be healthy and to thrive. And that's a good thing. But like Jeff was saying, Jesus is ultimately responsible for that. The spirit is the one that makes a healthy MC and we get to love each other because we're called to love each other and because God loved us, not because, we want a perfect group of perfect people perfectly loving each other. Right. And so just to encourage mm. anyone who's frustrated with people in their MC or frustrated with the lack of people in their MC to just just keep worshipping and serving the father and mm. yeah to just to just keep on going. You know, that that perseverance that we're called to to cling to is so important in And the hope that we have in knowing that Jesus is ultimately responsible for all of those hearts and lives eases the burden immensely and and allows us to love each other when we're not doing so just to be loved back, if that makes sense.
1: That does. That's good. That's such a good word to so many people. I mean, even to myself. I think that's, we always, especially when we're experiencing a beautiful expression of the church, it's so easy to worship the church and not the head of the church, which is Christ. And so, yeah, I think that's so good. And thank you guys both for taking a an hour out of your night on a Tuesday night where you're working hard during the week and you're caring for all these people and uh, resolving conflict and all sorts of stuff that you guys get to navigate on behalf of the church and that you've taken time to even serve beyond our church tonight. is uh, I'm really thankful for you guys and also, really big fans of the Saturate podcast will now notice that you, Miss Alicia Lowndes, are the voice of <laughs> the intro and the outro.
0: I am, back. fact, the voice of the Saturate podcast. <laughs> no, thanks for This huge encouragement. And uh, it's, it's to our heart, right, is we're calling these truths. It's so life-giving. It's so life-giving. and. It's such a good reminder that we should be talking about these things all the time and recounting what God is doing all the time because it gives more than it takes away. Even though it's late and even though we're tired and even though we've, we've got to get up and work another you know 10-hour day, this has been a huge blessing. And yeah, we hope it's been helpful and that God's spoken through us. And Brad, we're ever so encouraged at the sacrifice you and Mirella had made in coming and partnering with us here in Los Angeles uh, there are a lot of people here, like you said, and so it yeah. is heat is heavy and the workers are few, so if any of you out there are on the fence, <laughs> God is probably calling you here.
2: Always,
1: always recruiting. Always recruiting. That's always. how you do it.
0: Oh, it's the most beautiful place. Come visit us anytime.
1: just yeah, going to edit that out. <laughs> probably not. We're going to leave that in. So, uh... <laughs> Yes, that that will wrap up the Saturate podcast, though. If you want, move to Los Angeles. Uh, If you're looking for resources on leadership, just go to saturatetheworld.com, click on the little magnifying glass in the corner, and if you type in leadership, our 10 best resources will pop up, blog posts, as well as things that you can download. So definitely check that out if you want to go deeper. And as always... We're encouraged by you as listeners. We know that you're on the front lines making disciples and being discipled by Jesus. So that encourages us a ton and that we hope you have a great week.
0: Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.